motherfunkers. Hola, hola. I can't deal with anymore with the fact that my son keeps taking the piss out of me. Every day after the bath, he says, red cheeks and red nose again, mama. And I go, yeah, that's my rosacea. It's really getting me down. But I found a really good cream called Rosalique Cream, three-in-one anti-redness miracle formula for anyone out there who suffers from rosacea or just, you know, sort of um, red cheeks. Um, it's really good. It's really, really good. It's like basically a green toothpaste that you put on after your moisturising before your maquillage. And it really does dampen down that redness. Just saying. It's, it's, um, yeah. Well, hopefully when the weather bloody turns and gets sunny, it will improve. What is this weather? It was Arctic out there this morning. Oh, it's We're freezing. end of March. But listen to me. I sound terrible. It's awful. Anyway, we mustn't whinge. We mustn't whinge. Thank you because for sending we... me that, that kit, that the link to that COVID kits. Tell people. Oh, guys, guys, if you have a child in either nursery or school, you can, um, there's a link, and I'm now have to gonna put it somewhere sensible, but you can get COVID test kits. Basically, they're everywhere in your area. They seem to operate out of parking lots. And if you go and p- collect them personally, they'll give you 14. If you order online, they'll give you seven and they come within two days. Yeah, mine, the idea yeah. Is, mine yeah. came the next day. But yeah, the idea is that you're supposed to be testing every two days and sending the results to the NHS. They just want to keep a, an eye on asymptomatic. That one, that word. Asymptomatic. Symptomatic. Yeah, asymptomatic. Yeah, so do do look that up. It's great. And um, no, it's a very yeah, good tip, Shirley. Because I have to say, because I sound like this, I am still out and about, and I'm coughing in people's faces. But I can say, don't worry. I took a COVID test before I left the house, which I did do today, um, and it does make me feel better. You know, not that I'm going anywhere far or anyway indeed interesting, but it and, does. And make do a you do you alert the NHS that you're either negative or no, positive? No, it didn't tell me no, to. No, that's the point of them. They want to know. They didn't ask me to. Yeah, but they do ask you when you go online because I went online and they said I also went online. How do you think I got these? You sent me the link. Yes, so I no, went but online. I know what you're. You never read the small print or indeed the large print. Which is so I know for a, which is send the results to the NHS. That's how they keep. Otherwise, what what's in it for them? Well, they need data. They need to accumulate listen, data. They, what's in it for them? They they'll let people who are asymptomatic will stop going out. That's what that's the point of it, isn't it? One in three. I was one in three. I was a silent carrier. They also want to know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's I'm available. happy to just send them my results. If you just look at lateral um, Flow. test kits for people with children at nursery or school, it should come up. Gov.uk. Anyway. Gosh, is this good chat? Is I, this good it's terrible. Chat? It started off quite well and then we dragged it out and now we're arguing. Okay, but guys. We have got something good today. <laughs> we have. It's we have. not just going to be us bickering. I know. We, you've had that for a few weeks now. Um, we've got a really, really great guest on today. And we spoke to her. We spoke to her yesterday. We spoke to her yesterday, and she was a real inspiration. A real inspiration. She really is. And just my only regret is that we didn't have longer, and I didn't ask certain questions. But hey ho, we're just you know. We let her talk, and it was nice. We found our way. It was very relaxed. She. We covered a few subjects. We wanted to cover more, but she's a very interesting character. Shelley, why don't you tell them all? Yeah, no, you're you're in for you're in for a treat. I mean, she's she's an actress. She's an activist and mother. She's born in Tanzania, raised in Zimbabwe, and she went to a convent school, then on to Yale, then on to the RADA, okay? She was live and direct from Harare. There's a two-hour time difference. She just put her son to bed. Please give a warm welcome to Chico Chong. Chong. Here we are. We're in the house of Chico Chong, who's in Harare, no less. <laughs> We're in Harare. Welcome. What's the weather doing? out there um well it's pretty pretty bright and sunny i'm afraid to say sorry to say um it's why i escaped here to escape the covid winter good for you and how long have you been out there for um since the 4th of november which i think was the week of lockdown was it two or three i can't remember now yeah who knows Um, but the big lockdown (laughs) and so do you do you split your time between zim and the uk traditionally no, I've been kind of mostly in London for the past 20 years now, because it's been over 20 mm. years since I've become a Londoner. Um, but my life in London sort of bookended by trips away and at least once a year to Zimbabwe. But since I had the baby, I came here um, to have the baby. So my baby was born in Zimbabwe nice. and I spent a year here, which was... 2019 and that was the longest I'd spent in Zimbabwe since I left in 1996 
Wow. Um, but the plan is to spend more time here because it's a, it's a really nice place to have children because it's sunny, it's very outdoorsy. My mum is here and his other grandmother's here and it's just, uh, yeah, much more amenable to, to the baby life. Good for you. So how old is your son? He just turned two. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. They're all similar ages, aren't they? Yes, I our little we ones. all pregnant, sort of. How old are your kids? Two and a half, I think. So yeah. we would have all been pregnant at some stage mm. together. Yes, there was a, there was a flurry. <laughs> well, you guys bit... certainly were part of the flurry because you were a, a tag team, no, a double doo-doo. Yeah, double doo-doo, the flurry of fannies. Well, you have to have a flurry of fannies when you're hitting your 40s. That's the <laughs> yeah, thing. Do. I, d- I don't know about you, but I always had that as my cut-off. Like, I started, and because I was, you know, I am, I was in the same, <laughs> my willing partner, I was in a same-sex relationship, no longer. No, I am still currently in one, but, you know, you panic. You just think, how's this going to happen? How's this going to work? I have no idea. And so, you know, I thought, well, first things first, go to your GP, explain your situation, out yourself, tell them what you want. <laughs> and I remember I was looking through some paperwork the other day and it was from the moment I visited my GP to when I had my baby, it was like over two years. Just nonsense, just just chats and more chats and paperwork and because the process was actually quite quick. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if I knew now what I knew then, I could have just, you know, expedited that process but I didn't I didn't know what the hell was going on so you were in a same-sex relationship and now still am cheapo no 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 I same still one. am it's just the, it's the same one it's the way I said it I thought um no you know my partner you know my willing partner you were in a um you're yes, in one of yes, her shows I do know your willing partner yes, and she yes, actually you played a pregnant woman in that didn't and you? I did oh wait wait wait, wait 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 Wait, 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 hold up. That's all just really weird. That's all just weird coincidence because uh, basically, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're wise, you know that your um, fertility is dropping off at 30, at 32, at 35, at 37, at 41 and 45, it's over or 43 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to have kids for a long time. And I'm curious about your story because when I was... 33 or 34, I went to my GP to try to get the ball rolling on the harvesting business. And in order to get support from the NHS, you have to have been in a relationship and trying for six months. So you were in a Mm. same-sex relationship. So it was okay for you, but it was not okay for me because I was single. Um, And I was really pissed off about that because we're in the same situation my fertility is on countdown, but they would not help me because I was single. And I made a plea to my GP and to be fair to my Lambeth, South Lambeth practice GP, he, you know, I, I did, I did give my performance, but it was a genuine performance. It was a, you're discriminating against me because I'm single, mm. which they were. Uh, subsequently, I have seen that being single has been uh, classified as a disability. Um, <laughs> when I read that, people were, make, people were making fun of that. I was like, no, it's true, <laughs> because you are not able to perform a medical health function and are discriminated against because of it. And I was, to be fair to him, he wrote to whoever the next top dog was and, uh, and did ask on my behalf and made that argument um, about fair treatment. And then he wrote to me and said, sorry, they said no. Uh, so Gosh. Well, so I'm, I'm just trying to understand because, yes, I was in a, a relationship for six months, but that's you have to be trying to have a baby. I can try all I like, Chipo. <laughs> I can try all I like with my win. I'm not going to get very far. So actually, mm. you don't get the service on the NHS. So they discriminate against same-sex couples as well. So what oh, they, they would do... Okay. Yeah, so uh, the everything was had to be private within... Uh, the sort of NHS system, but what they would do for us was um, all the blood tests and, um, you know, the, the sort of admin. Um, but then the actual insemination, yeah. the storage of, um, you know, the stash, as it were. Um, you all that, have to do privately. Yeah, that you have to do that privately. And um, so actually they do, mm. they do discriminate against mm. the singles and so the same sex. Did they continue to discriminate, Chipo, or did you get somewhere? How did it work out in the end? Because this is interesting, isn't it? Once you're pregnant, it's all fine. You can go register with the them that you're yeah. pregnant. Okay, like that but it's just the harvesting blah, blah, blah. process. It takes... But the harvesting process... Um, I mean, of course, I had some blood tests done about, like, you know, £100 worth of blood tests done on the NHS. But everything else 
I paid for myself. Gosh. Um, and and thank God that uh, I got into a job where which allowed me to afford it. In fact, it was the big, you know, my first major expense. I was like, this is what I'm spending my money on. Um, but what I was saying was the coincidence is that um, I came back from this job and I paid off what debts I had. And the first thing I did, because I, I think I was 36 then. Was and what I, was the job? Like Do you mind sharing with us? Um, AD, um, the Bible show, which yeah. shot in Morocco. Yeah. Um, so, Pretty cool. Yeah. So then I immaculately conceived after playing Mary Magdalene. Ah. Uh, so I came back and, uh, yeah cleared whatever debts I had and this is what I wanted to invest in and the job that I booked was 13 um, in which I played a pregnant cop and so for the the period of doing that job where I was playing a pregnant cop I was going for all the um I was doing all the injections and uh, going for all the hormone treatment and going walking around with this prosthetic bump, which at one stage I borrowed from um, the wardrobe. I was like, Look, can I borrow it? Because, you know, I want to be really method and I want to really, you know, get into my role. It wasn't that. It was I wanted to walk around and be pregnant because I really wanted to be pregnant. So it was really funny that wow. I manifested a, a, a fake baby while I'm um, going through the hormone treatment process. And so how long after the job did you actually fall pregnant? Three three years, three years later. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, ladies and gents and those who identify as others, just to be clear, 13 was written by Shirley's willing partner. So that's, that's what we're talking about. And here. my willing partner always mm. says, she says, I really wish we could have given Chipo a bigger role because she really was outstanding. You were. That she's really strong and, you know... Um, lot stronger than a lot of people um, on that particular show and she just said yes I'd love to give her a bigger role sadly she doesn't have the power yet but she may one day yeah mm. it's one of those things because it was a really good character because it was quite original to have a cop in a thriller that's really dangerous and have that kind of vulnerability of a five-month pregnant woman in it um, and I'm a very yeah I'm a, a very is it a laissez-faire the right word? I'm a very chilled out kind of person and I really like the character and I really like the script. But I could have told her at the read-through. <laughs> you know, there's some actors who are like, no, no, you've got this wrong. You've got to make my part bigger. But I'm just not that kind of person. But it <laughs> but was, no, no, you should have said something. One should be more bullshit than that. Uh... yourself out of a gig there. So you say now you're in Zim, nearer to your ma, um, which must be lovely for you and obviously for your son. But are there any similarities to the way that you're bringing up your son and the way that you were brought up? Any traits, good or bad? Well, I can't remember, you know. No. I can't remember being two, so I can't remember. No, really but the say. dynamic, I suppose, is what I mean, you know. And I suppose the way in which you mother. Well, I mean, my mum was a single mum, um, so I was only raised by uh, one parent. Um, so that's, I guess, sort of... Uh, true though my baby does have a dad and spends time with the dad too and that was something I was particular about that I could have chosen to um, go with the donor but I preferred to ask a friend because um, I didn't grow up with a dad and uh, I thought it would be quite nice for my child to have one so he has a kind of different life because he has a double life because he's got two homes and two bedrooms and two grandmas because um, his dad lives with his mother too um so that's kind of different um my mum goes to bed really early so that's a difference I'm a night owl and my child is subsequently a night owl and my pregnancy I was kind of I think I'm a slightly hyper person and in my pregnancy I was very hyper I didn't have any kind of bad morning sickness or any of that stuff I, I think I was just really kind of wired up basically and just kept on with my schedule and it was I remember clomping about London quite a lot and I wish someone had told me to have a nap at three in the afternoon or two yeah. in the afternoon every day because I didn't do that and the only time I would feel the baby movie would be moving would be at one or two in the morning when I went to bed uh, which was cool and it was all very easy but subsequently I realized that he just never got trained or figured out 
I want to just go to sleep. So you think it started from way back when? Mm. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, as a child, to go to sleep, you had to be like bounced, like not even like bounce, yeah. bounce. Like, and I remember in my room, like jumping up and down with his baby because the only thing that would stop him from screaming because he was used to just bouncing around London in my stomach. Um, yeah, so that is one thing that I would I, I would do differently if I had to get pregnant again. I, I would really make it an objective to just just chill out a bit for nine months instead of going on like the fifth gear. Really sedate that baby. No, Pascal's a, <laughs> Pascal's a real believer that the baby takes on the mother's um, sleeping rhythm. So, for instance, I get up very early in the morning and I go to bed quite early. Let's be honest, about half nine. This is a really late call for me. <laughs> And my baby's exactly the same. Yeah, He was in bed an hour ago. But he'll be bouncing any time from sort of five yeah. through to six. He'll be... They might fill up. I can't, I, I can't up deal late. with that. Yeah, I can't I'm the same as that. you. I'm the same as you. I, I Mine goes to bed late and he wakes up late. And for me, that's perfect. Then it's always been like that. And he's mine used to take an hour, an hour and a half, two hours sometimes to go to bed. Up until, honestly, about four months ago. And we had to get in a sleep fairy to teach us how to put down our child and you pay a lot of money to be told off but you know what it works but there's no quick fix it took about two months okay because yeah. everyone keeps telling me that i should do that and i'm kind oh, no. of not if you're in zim though if you're on if you're in harari rhythms you just stick to your rhythms and you enjoy yourself but if it starts to eat into your evening that's when it's a killer but that's what i can't handle yeah. I'm up early, so it, I'm up before he is. But I cannot have my evenings gone as well. And he has no daytime nap. What is this life? It's too much. But um, listen, love him, love him though I do. I don't need to see his face 24-7. Quite nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah, absolutely. No, I guess my worry is that the sleep therapist will come and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And then he'll oh, be they judge you. Yeah, they judge you at and you pay. Six. And I actually prefer it where he gets up at 7.38, which is what he sometimes does, which is quite nice, actually. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's I wonder if I'm screwing him up a bit. But no, 7.38 is civil. They always say, as long as they get the right amount, it doesn't really matter what time you put them to bed. It's just as long as they then get up. You, know, you can't put them to bed late and then get them up early. How is it being a jobbing actor? I know, obviously, we're in a pandemic, so it's madness, although hopefully we're coming out the other side. But how is it juggling, you know, motherhood with being an actor slash actress? I never know what to say. Shelley tells me off if I say actor. She says, no, you've got to say actress because it's just clear. I don't know why people don't like it. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't say that, actually. I said I find it frustrating that we are forced to say actor when actually then it's not clear not to say one, the gender should be clear, but I just said it's frustrating we should be able to say actress or actor. Thank you, okay. Shirley. Thank Sorry, you, Shirley. Chico. So how is it juggling that? Because you work. You get called in for things. You travel. Yeah, yeah. And I really wanted to get back into work the first year um, of um, my child's life because I didn't want that thing to happen where you have a huge gap and you're just gone, basically. Yes. Um, so I achieved it. I did I did get my first job when he was about uh, seven months old because the wonderful thing about wow. this day and age is that I now, you know, is that you audition by phone. Yeah. Which I've been oh, doing for Zimbabwe for a while. So I booked <clears throat> this job and I had to leave and we were waiting for his his British passport to come because he was born here and he got a Zimbabwean passport and then we had to get his British passport and then I got this job and the passport was coming and then the date was coming and the passport was coming and the date was coming and the passport was coming and the date was coming the date came and the passport hadn't come oh wow and it was you know I mean it wasn't like it was the biggest part in the world for me but it was for a big machine you know job and you just can't, having said you do the job six weeks ago, the week before say, I can't make it. You just, you just can't do that, uh, whether you like the job or not. So I had to go and leave my baby. And my baby, it was October. He was born in April, March, April, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, he was seven, seven eight months old. And uh, I just had to go. And so I left him for um, five, six weeks uh, and that was that was pretty challenging. Um, and Who did you yeah, leave him with? Did you get someone in? Well, um, we'd had here a couple of super nannies, 
Um, okay. I'm, as I said, quite a chill person. His father is, uh, uh, what can I say, a very organized person and had organized these um, two nannies, a day nanny and a night nanny. Wow. And I was kind of cheesed off about the nanny situation because I had, we had to have this conversation where I was like, I know you may have had ideas about having children and fantasized about a nanny, but in my imagination, I never imagined there being, it just wasn't in my, sure, you get someone in to look after your child every now and then, but there isn't someone constantly there watching you breastfeeding, which was the actual situation for months, four, five, or six. Uh, so I was kind of frustrated about that and resentful because these nannies were hanging about and I felt like I had to give them my baby so they'd have something to do for their wages, you know, when, of course, when you're a mother, you're quite attached and you want to have the baby and then granny wanted, everyone wanted to have the baby and everyone's saying, it's not your baby, it's a family's baby or whatever. But when I had to leave the country, I was so grateful that he was over nannied because the whole time I was away and, and they were sort of super, super nannies. I knew that there wasn't a minute where someone wasn't watching my child. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a relief. Um, uh, but it was also challenging because I know in England there's different attitudes towards breastfeeding, but in Africa it's very much like you must breastfeed and breastfeeding is definitely best. I mean, they say, of course, if you can't do it, that's fine. But as far as the antibodies are concerned, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'd gotten into best breastfeeding. We'd made it through the fact that I had these fantastically huge nipples that my, my uh, one-week-old baby just couldn't get his mouth around. Um, and I, wanted, I didn't want to stop breastfeeding because I was kind of attached. So I had to, like, mega pump for five, mm. six weeks as well. Wow. Which I did. And then you um, threw it away, Cheapo. Quite that an sweet, ordeal. sweet nectar. Did you just pump it? No, I didn't. No, you saved it. No, I didn't. You had it. No, I, I, yeah, no, I, I stored it. I stored it. Fantastic. I was in a Good. hotel in Iceland, and I was like, I, you know, I, I would deliver my, um, my bottles, like water bottles of, um, of milk, for them to put in their like super freezer. And I left Iceland with like a, a pack of like um, like ten bottles of milk, like ten five hundred mil bottles of milk, basically. Wow. Good for and you. I stored Worth them all in my gold. fridge in London. Well, um, we used to joke that it was what it was going to make. I was going to make cheapo cheese. Used <laughs> 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 to joke because uh, I was a bit of a cow. Um, um, and then I stored it in my fridge. And uh, and uh, when I came back with the baby a few months later, yeah, we, we went through every bottle. Fantastic. Um, I wasn't wasting that, not those no, hours, well, not that pain thing. and suffering. And Yeah, there's no way I was chucking that. Um, no, 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 it was sweet. But yeah, and remember. now my baby was weaned basically at eight months. Uh, but I got him back. When I came home, I seduced him and got him back. And now... He's still on the boob, that's what? past two years old. And he's still on the boob. I still can't get him off it. He's going to start asking for it. Can he talk now? Yeah. Yeah. And does he ask for it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bitty mummy. Yeah. Is that quite usual in Zim to um, breastfeed um, later? What? To two? Yeah, two, two, three. I've my friend still does it. Hers two. are five and three. Breastfeeds. No. Hey, it could be you. It, she didn't think it would go on that. She's horrified. She goes, "What do I do though?" They literally climb on and help themselves, one a piece. But how yeah. often does he breastfeed, yeah. Chipo? Be honest. Is it just the evening for a suckle? It's morning and evening. But the morning weird thing is that now, as he's gotten older, it's become more. Oh no! It's like. I think it's a, anyway, I was just, yeah, it's, it's become more. Um, uh, Do you breastfeed him to sleep still? Well, I wasn't. You go through phases. I, I, I was patting him to sleep and this and that. Even a couple of weeks ago, he'd have a bit, then he'd be done and go to his bed. But yeah, we're going through that phase now and I, I don't know how I'm going to shake him off. And it's tough because he's so delighted. No. Oh, of course he, he is. I try to distract him. So in the morning, I like give him a bottle. I'm like, let's read a book. And then he's like, yeah, I want this. And his, I said, do you want that? And he's like, his face just lights up. And uh, you can't deny him. Um, it's yeah. amazing that you're a mama still well, producing milk. I don't milk. want it to be. Keep on that. Yeah. Well, they said though. 
they claim that it's like there's nothing better for losing weight than breastfeeding, blah, blah, blah. And it's a load of bollocks, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear all said. sorts like, of things. Whenever you see like, like one, two-year-old women who were like super skinny, they're like, it's from breastfeeding. And so I always thought that breastfeeding would do that, but it didn't. As you take a swig of wine. No, I love that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if you stopped drinking throughout the uh, breastfeeding process. No, thanks. Two years in. Please. I think you're looking great. You look like yeah. a warrior. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. He's a warrior mama. I'm good. And uh, I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to have a co-parent. Um, I, I kind of want to get back to work. But I also kind of dread it because, um, yeah, I'm get, trying to get more into writing and the kind of peace of mind I have when he goes off to his dad's house and I've actually got, you know, a lot of the day to myself is the kind of space that I just won't have in London when I'm kind of single parenting it and also being the cleaner and also being the cook and also being the everything. Um, yeah. Whereas in Zimbabwe, there are a lot of people around. Yeah, that must be terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, and so unappealing. Uh, and yet your work is here, so it's a real dilemma. It yeah. is so But hard. we did do it. For mm. all those chores, mm. all I do is sweep and clean and eat. I mean, it's just a uh-huh. killer. It's a killer. All I do is moan about it. <laughs> I know, it. all Shirley so does chores. is moan. It goes, I'll so cooking clean, chores. it doesn't end. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can bung them in nursery now, cheapo. Yeah, you can. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. And they learn, yeah, listen, fine. the thing is with nursery, I think, in the UK, you pay through your tooth, but they do as many activities in a day as I do with my son in a week. Like, they really do have them do so many things now. You know, not back in the day in mm. crash in the 80s when I was just sent to some old shithole around the back. And, you know, you just mm-hmm. have to flash each, other, flash each other's fannies just to keep each other entertained. No, no, no. Nowadays, you really learn stuff, you know. And so, yeah, there are some really good nurseries, especially in your um, catchment area. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure there will be. And But I understand it's not the same. It's not the same. And you never get those early years back. I do get it. I do get it. And the yeah. weather. But I've got, the I've got them. I've, got, I've got, the, got the early years. I've got the early years. I just, I, I only worry he's a bit, no, I don't worry about it. But he is quite spoiled. I mean, when I was in London as a single mum, I was very busy. Um, you know, so it'd have to multitask and be doing this and that, like, you know, cleaning the kitchen while he's eating, etc., etc. Whereas now he literally sits there on his baby chair watching TV and goes, Mummy, Mummy, so that I can put a spoon in his mouth. I'm like, the food is there, Marlo. I know you can pick it up because you used to pick it up when, when you were like 18 months old, but now he can't. He, he'll sit there and go, Mummy, so that he can sit there and just stare at Paw Patrol. I don't think he'll thank you. Not that I'm raising my child in front of the TV. No, 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 of course not. Listen, um, you know. I caught Shirley, I called her at tea time and he was in front of Pablo, which is a lovely um, show on BBC about an autistic boy. Um, but yeah, he loves TV dinner, doesn't he, Shells? Oh yeah, and the thing is, so does his mother. So does his mother, <laughs> like mother and- like son. And you know, we've tried <laughs> to get out of this habit, but I just don't care anymore. You know, it's the small pleasures, do you know what I mean? Who cares? Judge me if you want. You're not going to see me. It doesn't matter, does it? It really doesn't. <laughs> but how does it compare to your childhood, Cheapo? I'm interested. We're interested. Yeah, because you... Look, for, for our listeners out there, and we won't go into desperate amounts of detail, but um, you had quite a political upbringing. You, know, you were in the thick of it, as, they, uh, as yeah. it were. How, how do you I think... Mean, when I was Marlowe's age... Um, my mum was working in refugee camps in Mozambique because there was a war going on in Zimbabwe. So I was always been a question for me. It's always been a question how a woman takes a five, six-month-old baby to a war zone. I, I suppose for her it was going back to work because that was maybe sort of the age when I went back to work. So we had that similarity. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she took me to these uh, refugee camps where she was in charge of... Um, the teacher training so getting all these kind of adolescent kids to then teach the five you know the the younger children um under the trees uh and she used to carry me around on her back uh and it was a war um there were bombs dropping and stuff and uh she did have to i think she has one story where the school was attacked by bombs and 
she everyone ran into the bush and she went running with me on her back and went walking in the bush for like two days before she got to another camp and she's got lots of stories of me as a baby then of course I don't remember any of it uh, and then when I was two and a half the war ended in 1980 and, and, and we came back to Zimbabwe and that's where my first memories start but so I don't remember any of my toddler age because it just got wiped and my first memories are of moving to my aunt's house in, in, in what was called Salisbury now, which is now Harare. And I have very clear memories of the staircase there, which I still go to their house every week. It's down the road. And that staircase is one of my first memories. But yeah, I don't remember the camps. Um, but yeah, there was a crash there and I was left in a crash there with other refugee kids. And I was looked after by um, these... Uh, young refugee girls and there were these big rallies um, that would happen and apparently I would uh, I like to dance at them for the crowds and my godmother used to say that's where I that, or my mum used to say that's where I got my my love for performance apparently they claim uh, but I don't remember any of it <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and then my life in Zimbabwe was very different because in the camps I was speaking Shona um, and I think there was a kind of solidarity there. I don't think, you know, my mum was Chinese and most people were black, but I don't think there was any sort of distinction there because they were all comrades. But when I came back to Zimbabwe, it was a post-apartheid state, so the distinction between black and white was much clearer. And in my family, a Chinese family, I was the one black sheep in the family. So I was quite um, bullied, excluded as a child by my Chinese cousins because kids, you know, kids can be really nasty. And it wasn't, it wasn't the same society. And now when I take Marlo out and he's playing with other kids and the black kids there and he's a mixed race kids and they're white kids there, I don't see that. I don't think these kids, I mean, it is like over 30 years later. They're not living in that world. But the world that we were in, 1980s, South Africa still being apartheid, Rhodesia just having ended. It was, even children kind of got it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of my childhood memories were sat outside my cousin's room while they all played. It was a combination of Lego and Star Wars and sometimes Barbie. And then the one time my mum found me outside the door and was like, you have to play with Cheapo. And so then I came in and then I got to play the maid, like I got the maid Barbie doll. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No 80s. Um, no 80s. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely, yeah, definitely not the experience my, my child is having. Um, I mean, it's interesting when kids begin to see race. I was watching this documentary, I think on, on BBC, yeah, I think it was on BBC. And they were saying, they were trying to, they were showing like small babies, like eight months. Um, I don't know if it was a doll or something, which one they liked. And they always wanted the one that looked more like them and that they had identified quite young on that they liked what they looked like, uh, which must have been what their family looks like because they don't know what they look like, you know. I mean, I can remember being a kid and playing with my best friend who was black and then or darker than me, because I am black, but I'm lighter, and then bumping into myself in the mirror and seeing myself and thinking, oh, oh that's not me, because I thought I was her, you know, because I spent all my time looking at her. Uh, so I don't think kids see their own race, but I guess they see their family's race, and when kids are racist, it must just be that their families don't have enough exposure, variety around yeah, them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely that. My son has a lot of exposure, and he just doesn't bat an eyelid has mm. dolls that are white and black and he never even just passes any sort of judgment and his manny is black and he's just had his manny since he was six months and then we live mm. in an area sure if you go on to one side it's very white if you go to another it's very very diverse and mixed and it was really important mm. for me um to have him exposed to all sorts of cultures and things because i we grew up in a very racist london very racist in the 80s mm. you know yeah. especially mm. the area i grew up in it was it was horribly racist and um, I just and, and and you're right. Where does this come from? It, it's come. It comes from lack of exposure, lack of understanding, and and so yeah, I made a real effort to sort of not have that be um, our experience. And how do you how do you because we we always like to celebrate our tutti frutti ness, Shelley and I. And you know, 
Tony's got part Chinese there as well. Um, I, I'm half Arab. How do you I, identify? You look very much like a, a perfect mix, black and Chinese to me, like the perfect mix. But how do you identify probably exactly like that? But I want to hear it from you. How do I identify? I always find it tough. I find ticking the box really tough because I want to tick about seven. Mm. Don't yeah. want to tick, I get tick it. black British, British. I want to tick African because I'm from Zimbabwe and I, I definitely identify as Zimbabwean. Um, but I grew up in a Chinese family, so in many ways I identify as Chinese as I do black, except that, in all fairness, um, Chinese are more uh, racially exclusive and, and black mm. is very inclusive, you know, if you have yeah. one drop, you're black. Um, so, yeah, I'm black and ease. I, I used to... Um, black and ease. Uh, I used to like... Um, calling myself Afro-Asian because you know Afro-Asian was a big thing <laughs> it's like I am actually Afro-Asian <laughs> yeah it's Afro not just a, it's not a trend I'm not being fashionable <laughs> here I am legit um but yeah it was always a dilemma for me and I remember as a kid being really really confused because on my first day at this new school they had the form and they were like they had race on it and I was like mommy what should I put and she was like She's the one, I think at that time, we said, put Afro-Asian. My mother, of course, is political, so that makes sense. I put Afro-Asian. And I went to school the next day, and my best friend, who's also mixed race, was like, what did you put down? And her dad had put C-O-L, which is short for coloured, because in Southern Africa, uh, mixed race is, is categorised. Like in, in Rhodesia, there were three categories, A being white, B being Asian and coloured, Asian mainly being Indian, but there were some Chinese and coloured being mixed race. Um, and then C, black. Um, so, yeah, my, my cousin had put, her, my, my friend had put cull, C-O-L down. So then I had one of those, those like penny raisers. Did you used to have these penny raisers? Yeah. It's yeah. like a hard thing. And I like scratched, but it was like bond paper. So I almost like scratched a hole in it because I was like scratching out Afro-Asian so I could put C-O-L. And I found it all really humiliating. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. And now I, and now I'm British, so I can also say I'm black British, but I don't know. They're all, it's all, it's all bollocks. Of categorization. I know, I know. There's, there's the consensus going around at the moment and you'll get a, a thousand pound fine if you don't fill it in. Shelley, have you done yours? Yes. And you, you get that box, you know, how, you know, ethnicity and how you identify. And they're very specific because there's, you know, very. there's lots of different boxes. I get so confused because I'm like, listen, I can just shout about how I'm Arab to the, to the cows come home. No one cares. I just look like a white girl. And that's always been my, you know, sometimes, the, the, you know, one complains that they don't wear their ethnicity or how they identify on their, on their self. You know, I've always imagined myself much darker. I'm not. I, I accept this now. Mm. I'm blonde. Well, that's kind of faded. But I'm white and I've had all those privileges associated with being white. So, you know, whilst I've been pissed off. At it's a thing coming up now, though, isn't it? Huge. This, um, huge. This, uh, the erasure of white passing peoples. Um, and, it, and, it, and it is a thing. Um, so I, I don't know what the thing is. and I don't know how to talk about it because it's not me. But it's definitely something that's coming up in, in cultural conversations all the time about the denial of of being able to embrace one's true identity because of being able to be white passing. And, uh, and I do think it is a, it is a genuine issue. Um, it is, I think with race and also with sexuality, I mean, the amount of questions on that consensus form, are you the same sex now as the one you were born into? Um, what do you identify as? I mean, I did it with a 90 year old woman and she said, can you just tell them to fuck off? I mean, just say that I'm, I'm I'm fluid, but there wasn't there wasn't a box There's nothing fluid. fluid about that lady. No, of yours. I know, she is heterosexual down to her core. My point is, she was annoyed by the amount of questions about sexuality, but people want to know it's with race and sexuality, and they want to. I think they just need to be seen to be progressive. No, but they need to understand that's the whole yeah, purpose of the consensus. And so you and, get it. And I get it, and I mm -hmm. think it's great that we give this information so they can, and I hope that people are honest so that you can get, because I'm sure there are a lot more, you know, fluid people out there than we think. And if, if you know, you don't necessarily have to be outed or named and shamed, then yeah, yeah, why not? Well, people get really upset if their category isn't there because yeah. then they're being erased. And so, so that's yeah. why. 
and uh, yeah and, and we have to be grateful for it. those categories I think we have to we've worked we've worked hard and we fought hard and whilst I got really confused and in the end just one box put British and the other put British Asian because like oh, I don't know and um I panicked and I thought what the hell is my son now he's got he's such a tutti fruity mix I mean he looks like a complete viking but you know I don't want to deny him his heritage so I gave him a name each he's got four names and each one of those names tells a story about where he's from so he can he can ask of himself and people can ask of him and it tells a complete picture and uh, mm. because he's so Aryan you know, mm-hmm. um, no one's going to believe that he's although he knows he's the beast from the Middle East he always says I'm the beast from the Middle East I go no one's going <laughs> to believe you son no, he didn't believe me no, he just like a few places I know exactly like Goldilocks <laughs> where you are is it good wine it's all right i haven't been drinking much actually um i've oh, been listen, pretty sober I'm... sally which has been good but we had a party on the weekend so i finally have some booze in the house oh um, my gosh a party i yeah. haven't heard that word for years are you, are you in lockdown over there what's the what are the rules we're not we're sort of just coming out of quite a strict lockdown it was a bit of a scary party because it was kind of not quite octogenarian party, but it was my mum's 80th birthday. Oh, uh, happy birthday! Had some friends happy around, birthday. but they were they were all in their sort of mid 70s. So, uh, but we all were, you know, meters apart in the garden. I want to know what languages you spoke when you were younger, and what languages do you speak now. My mother claims that I spoke Shona when okay. I was a baby. Um, but now that I have a baby around that age, which is two, and I have his understanding of how much language he has, I wasn't really speaking that much Shona. She's like, your first language was Shona, because now I only speak one language. Um, but she's like, but your first language was Shona. And now that I have a two-year-old, I'm like, mm. he's like baby language. And um, so my understanding of Shona as an adult is basically at the level of a two-and-a-half-year-old. What dialect is Shona? Shona is its own language, but it's a, a, a Bantu language, which is most of East and Southern Africa are the Bantu peoples. Um, but it's its own distinct language. Uh, there are about seven languages in Zimbabwe, but the main ones are Shona and Ndebele. And Ndebele comes from South Africa and is more related to South African languages. Um, but this is uh, a language that's been around here for about a thousand years. Wow. But yeah, I don't speak it because um, I'm very colonized. Um, Marlo's nanny does speak to him in Shona, so he does have some Shona words, which is very sweet. Lovely. And uh, 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 his, yeah, his dad used to try to speak to him in French, but I think that fad has passed. He's just. It's hard English, to keep basically. up. Well, it's hard to keep up uh, a language with dish. a child when you're like, they don't understand it. But actually, now my son's got friends who speak two or three languages, and I'm like, shut the front door. This is amazing. You know, it does go in. And my mum's always said to me, because my mum spoke to me in Dutch. From She still does speak to me in Dutch. Um, and, you know, she says, you've got to, you've got to. But you just feel like a, I feel like an absolute prick speaking to my son in Dutch. I can barely speak it myself. And then let alone, he laughs in my face. But I think it's lovely to have another language. To be told of an, another language is really nice. To be bollocked in another language is phenomenal. Oh, it, it is lovely. Yeah. I think you have to um, send them to uh, to to another language um nursery don't you yeah unless it's your first tongue unless it's the mother tongue it's really difficult really difficult and now we do we do have to start wrapping up but that what's what I'm so gutted about is that you've got you've had such an interesting life we haven't even just touched upon any you know so much I mean you know convent school went to RADA on to Yale and and um over the edge that theatrical company you were involved in in Zimbabwe, the acclaimed award-winning theatrical company where you met, mm-hmm. um, well, no, you probably knew Lucien um, Masamati. Did I say that right? It's uh-huh. been haunting me. Masamati? Um, Lucien? Masamati. The, 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 the M is like a mm. 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 Masamati. Mm. It's called Masamati. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, quite a few of you to come out of there. And um, one, of, one of our mutual friends, um, Dr. Michael Pierce, um, have to give him a shout-out. I actually did... Um, I said to Michael, I was speaking to him recently, I said, how would you describe Chipo? Go on, give three words, I said. He goes, three words, I have to say it all in three words. I said, no, I'll give you a bit more airtime. I'll give you a bit more airtime. He said... Um, you want to do his voice, his lots voice. Of, his voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, Michael also grew up in Zimbabwe. 
Um, yeah, lots of fun. Um, he's a white African. He identifies as a white <laughs> African. Lots of fun, a deep thinker, hugely creative, empowering and kind. They're strong and words. I said, They're oh, strong I, said, I said, give us some dirt on her. Like, what, is she, is she a bit tight? Is she this? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, all right, forget it. No, I have nothing but good words to say. And he's not actually a man who often has good no. words to say. So I was really... Yes, he's quite a bitch. I know he's got nothing, <laughs> nothing but spite for his ugly sisters. So that's nice. It was very sweet. He described me as kind. Empowering. Like he did. Kind. Like, I, I think COVID's got to him. Like, know. you know, he's being a bit of a soft <laughs> Yeah, he's no, got all he weasels. He's lost his personality. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had those things to say about you. And, you know, I don't know. Another time should we get together and chat? There's just so much to so much ground to cover. But um, thank you very thank much. Thank you so much for joining for us. For coming on. We really appreciate and, it. And uh, wish you every best of luck and with Marlo in Zimbabwe and your work. And if you do come over here, please do get in touch. We will send you a mug. Um, to thank, yeah, we, we'd and we can send have you a, a play your... date. Let's please yeah, we'll have, have a play, play date. date. Get the kids together. Your kids can teach our kids Shauna. My kids will teach your kids Danish, you know. We'll go to Shirley's house. She's got the best snacks. We can trash her house because she's, yeah. she's got a willing partner who tidies co- up. Yeah, I've got they can all poop on the floor together. Yeah, please. I'm desperate for that. I'm desperate for a play date. I'm desperate to trash someone else's house but my own. Thank you so much, Tipo. Brilliant. Okay. Pleasure, guys. Goodbye. And then... A biento. A presto. Lots of love. There she was. There she goes. There she goes. What a good... What an articulate woman. Can I just say, it was a bit embarrassing and she brought it up at the end of the interview when we'd stopped recording. Oh, dear. She said, "Um, guys, you said consensus. Uh, Isn't it a census? And I said, and I said, Shelley, did you say census? Oh, my gosh, did you say consensus? I I must have said consensus. If she said it, I must have said it. Awful. It's so embarrassing. And then we are apologising to the to the um, the Yale alumna that yeah we said consent. I mean, what? Just shut up, please. Someone stop us. I hate the fact that our USP is the fact that we get things wrong. It's so, so wrong. sad. So the census. I hope everyone's filled in theirs because you know I don't think it's that clear that there's this thousand pound fine. You know. I think people do know. Okay. I think it says in no. I read the small print willing, in that. If my winning partner didn't tell me. I wouldn't Oh, but she's got a thousand pounds spare. No, was it? Oh, no, was it? She'll just pay for the both of us. No worries. She'll cover you too, Charlotte. Oh, she'll cover me too. Do you have a dead duck this week? You know what? My dead duck is the fact that my winning partner and I both got each other the same dud bouquet of flowers for Mother's Day. That is so dud. Now, where are this bouquet from? So it's from a really, really stunning florist. Of course it is. Of course yeah? it is. And so we yeah. both come back from a walk. And we both start looking behind the bins and she starts saying, what are, what, what are you doing behind the bins? I go, don't you worry what I'm doing behind the bins. I go, why are you sniffing around the bins? And she says, no reason. And then I start thinking, she goes, I said, listen, I've got something that's arrived. She goes, me too. And I, you know, we just started going on. Oh, no. And I said, well, mine isn't behind the bins. She said, no, I texted the neighbour to say, can you collect uh, something that's been left? So anyway, she goes round to the neighbour and comes back with two identical boxes of basically dying carnations, our worst. And, um... And she and I was we were so disappointed. She goes, I'm really annoyed because I know how much these cost, and you know I don't. I'm not fussed for flowers. And I said, I know. What are we going to do now? So we gave one to the neighbours, and we've kept. Oh, one. that's nice. There we um, are. But yeah, so that was that was a bit of a dead duck, I have to say. But that also is quite a bit funny. Dead duck. We laughed. Our son was thrilled. Of course, he thought they were both for him. Uh, no, we said, son, they're both from you. Actually, it's very sweet. Actually, that the boys are now paying attention to flowers. Daffledores, Daffledore tulips. Oh, he loves it's, the Daffledores. Isn't it sweet? And my love, my one loves nothing more than to go to a nursery and, and check out the plant pots. So I think it's really sweet. But um, that is a bit of a dead duck. I have to say, the flowers in this area were completely run out, and I think sadly it had to do with the fact that I'm very near the bandstand, which we went and paid our respects oh, to yes, last Sunday. Yeah, so I think that's another reason why there were no flowers. So I got some dead twigs, which were lovely. And I also got my husband to, um, he well, he volunteered to make a sort of five-hour Asian dinner. It was really nice. But um, well, no, I have to him. say, I know, I was really impressed. Yeah. I was really impressed. Um, no, it was very sad last Sunday, but we did go up and pay our respects. And it was amazing how quiet it was. I mean, there were so many people there, all very respectful of each other after the terrible Saturday. And... Um, 
yeah, just so many people just, it was a really lovely energy. The only person crying was my son because I wouldn't let him actually go onto the bandstand because obviously that's not what oh you do. Dear. My dead duck, apart from the fact that my son is slagging off my T-zone, it's probably the fact that he's really stopped listening to me in every single way. He doesn't listen to me, but that's fine. Um, winner, winner, show me Get used to it, love. Yeah. Uh, winner, winner. Oh, so I did get a fantastic pair of um, scales for Mother's Day from the William Hartman. Um, for you to weigh yourself or bake Weigh myself, just two. No, 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 no. We've got, it's the same brand. I think I'm going to say incorrectly, Salter or something. They're just excellent. Anyway. Yeah, Salter. Uh, yeah, okay. Thank goodness I said that right. Um, no, just for weighing, because there's some uh, an old pair that was up. So I don't like incorrect scales because I actually, I, more than weighing myself, I like to use it for luggage and things and to weigh my son. Anyway, just to prove that he is overweight. Anyway, um, I was delighted to discover that I was um, considerably lighter than my winning partner, given that I am at least two foot taller than her, and also just marginally heavier than my two-year-old son. So, um, but one minute—is she really? In, she's heavier than you. Isn't that she's crazy? She's heavier than you. She's so petite, which makes me think that I've either she's really either got um, higher bone density, or maybe her brain really is as heavy as she tells me it is. Okay, can her I tell you something? Her hair is quite heavy. Her hair's very heavy and she she wears a lot of eye makeup. Was she songs makeup or with maquillage? She was definitely with maquillage at the time. She's yeah. never without maquillage. No, though that's quite heavy. I have to say, do you remember the time that um you couldn't join me on stage because you were taken ill? At the beginning of the year actually, last yeah. year. Do you remember? Yeah, and the winning partner and, stepped in. And she stepped in and she was absolutely excellent. Are you gonna say and she was think, heavy when you when It you... was actually probably the one of the best gigs I've ever done. Um, and I have to say, gosh, we're going on just really quickly. I know. Um, we practiced to do a dance. I think it was Pina. And I was absolutely dumbfounded by how she solid she weight. was. Because actually, you're, you're, you're quite solid. But she's solid. But yeah, but she's also quite dense. I was really surprised at how strong she was. She was sort of like a plank of gold. All right, I think we said enough. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to chat to Chipo. I mean, she was an absolute dream machine. Check her out, guys. Check her out her work. Yeah, all good stuff. Thank you, Chipo. And thank you, thank guys. You. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Motherfunk with Shirley and Shirley, otherwise known as Joanna Carolan and Pascal Wilson, produced by Mabel Productions. Tune in and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.